The Black Male Archives, where we capture, curate, and promote positive stories about black men. All right, listeners, welcome back to the Black Male uh, Archives podcast. I'm your host, Rodney Freeman. You can see I'm a little bit under the weather, but I'm still here. I got it. I had to get it in to interview my man, Aaron Whitfield. How you doing, sir? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's a beautiful day. How about you? Oh, man. Like I said, just a little bit. You know, I have a little one in the house who's who's giving me his cold. So um, <laughs> but, you know, I put some medicine in me. I'm I'm good to go. Um, yeah, we just wanted to talk to you. You have a podcast called Black uh, Black Plus Introvert. Um, so and then hear your, hear your story about how you got that started. So if you could tell the listeners where you are from and your background. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I am from Columbus, Ohio, so uh, the Buckeye State. Um, and my background is in youth development um, and really just family and community development also. Um, strong education background. I received a um, my bachelor's uh, in English literature, Shakespearean studies mm-hmm. from Central State University, HBCU. Um, but really, I chose to follow my heart and really go into the community um, and, and, and make my investment. And so if it's involving youth and family, I'm there. Um, and so my my podcast, The Semi-Social Life of a Black Introvert, that came about really um, because I was at a point in my life in which I needed to express myself creatively, mm-hmm. um, especially being in my 30s. Um, I found that my 20s sapped all of my creative energy out of me. Mm-hmm. And being a parent and life hitting me hard. And so right about the age of about 33, 34, I was like, I need to do something to express where I am right now. Mm-hmm. And that's when the podcast came about. And so I've been rocking with it for about ooh, three years now, three years oh, wow. uh, of tales of my life that I'm hoping to pass down, not only to listeners, but to my children. Yeah. Yeah, man. So we want to hear, I want to know how you got into uh, the library world before we get into the podcast. How did you get into that? You know, I was avoiding it. I was avoiding the library world um, because that was not a space that I found a whole lot of representation. Um, mm. Growing up, I grew up middle class. Um, and so going to the library in my small town of Springfield, Ohio, where I uh, more so grew up, um, the library was not as welcoming of a place as one might assume. Um, it was uh, it's very much so the, the 90s, 80s model of you go in, check out a book, be quiet. It wasn't it wasn't welcoming. Mm-hmm. And so um, the library sort of popped up in my life at a time where I frankly, I needed a job. It was the uh, the Great Recession, 2009, 2010, mm-hmm. 2011. I was beyond broke um, and I needed an opportunity and the opportunity came up at a library that that I was familiar with um, because it was right across the street from my preschool. And I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know if I could do the work, but once I went there, I knew I was in my place of purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. I, I definitely can identify with your story. Um, what, what do you think kept you, kept you going with uh, the library and kept you wanting to to come back to it? What was your motivation? I stayed there for eight years, eight years of uh, I mean, not to be too, too deep or anything or or go off the um, fly off the handle. But really, it was God. It Mm. was God that kept me there. I went there and I found my purpose. Mm -hmm. And um, 
And I went there for a job position and walked out with a life purpose. Yeah. And, and what I found um, in working, I was the um, uh, learning center specialist. And so as a learning center specialist at this library, I had between 50 and 100 kids per day, five days a week after school under my care. Mm-hmm. And it was about serving their academic needs. But what I soon realized was also about serving their their mental health needs, their social needs. Mm-hmm. And once I saw these beautiful brown faces, I mean, the majority of the kids were either black or African. A major- uh, large number were uh, new American um, mm-hmm. kids from Somalia, Sierra Leone, Ghana, um, Eritrea, Ethiopia, um, Somalia, Kenya. Like once I saw their faces, mm-hmm. I knew what to do. Yeah. And so I created community and family and it took it took some time. But um, we did some incredible, some beautiful things um, at that library. What did this what did this position teach you about yourself? You know, this position taught me how to really be. How to trust myself, how to walk Mm -hmm. at my own pace, Mm -hmm. because here's the deal. I I, we my team and I, we created something beautiful. Mm -hmm in a space that was not used to that type of investment, which brought about conflict. You know, Mm -hmm. when you go about your job, one thing is to have a job, but another thing is to have a purpose. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes people that just have their job position don't, they don't move with the same pace of people who are operating in their life purpose. And so, you know, being a person of excellency, being a a person of vision, of drive, my success brought about conflict, but I had to stay within my pace. I had yeah. to sometimes do things that I knew were right, mm-hmm. stand up for my students, stand up for my community mm-hmm. and protect my kids. And I say my kids because I, I, I mean that I'm still I've been a, removed from that job for about a year. The pandemic shut down the library for about a year, too. It's been two years since I've really been involved with that program. Yeah. Those kids still contact me. Yeah. We still have that connection because of the work and the investment that we put in with them. Yeah. That means and that shows that says a lot when, you know, you having that relationship and they still contact you and reach out to you. You know, that that says that says a lot. It says so much um, because, you know, I'm at a uh, a major college, you know, in university um, now and and. And the kids, most uh, some of the kids go to the college university and they drop by my office. Yeah. Or they'll give me a call and say, Mr. Aaron, um, a couple of students are from Kenya. Um, they are um, they they spend a lot of time in the Kenya refugee camp mm-hmm. and we've known each other for eight years. Mm-hmm. Some of the most beautiful, talented uh, people I've ever met. And they call me about once every couple of months. And they they ask me from a from a daughter's perspective to their father. Tell me something about me that I don't see. Mm, mm. And it, and it's like, that's the connection. That's yeah. the family. We're of different cultures, different religious backgrounds, different environment. Diff- we're different, but we have that human connection. And that's yeah. what we built. Yeah, man, that's solid, man. So, okay. So tell me then, how'd you get this? How'd you get this uh, podcast started? Was, was your work dealing with youth? Um, one of the reasons why you got that started or how, I mean, how did you get that started? Huge catalyst as to why, um, you know, why the podcast started, you know, it, the podcast came about during a time where I needed to creatively express myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, 
you know, some of the stories that, you know, that I would sit down and tell, whether it be my children or the stories I would tell the uh, the kids in the library, I found that that was almost the material for the podcast. Mm, okay. And so it, it this is almost like my, um, if I were to pass down stories, if I, were, if I were giving someone a verbal account of my life, my perspective, along with my voice, here's my podcast. Okay. And so the kids uh, in the library, I mean, quite frankly, they listen to the pod. They still listen to the podcast, mm. even if we're not connected within the same space. They still listen to it. They still comment. They still give me a call. And so um, and so the podcast was inspired by stories that I would pass down to my children. Mm hmm. You know, and, and in working with some of the kids at the library who may not have a father or who I may be a father figure or an uncle or a friend or, heck, I'm old now, grandfather. <laughs> you know, these are the stories that will pass down to them. Yeah. And, and stories that they can take on the go. So that was a lot of the um, inspiration behind it. And why do you call it intro? I mean, I I, I understand the the, uh, the the title, but do you look at yourself as an introvert and what what is... What is that? Is is yeah, what is that? So as an introvert, introverted people typically are people who um we are the quiet ones in the room, typically looked at as like the quiet, more uh, you know, wallflower people in the room, but really it's the people we're the people who need to recharge by ourselves. Mm. Um and so you know, people have a hard time sometimes believing that I'm an introvert. Mm. Um Especially when I, you know, my works in the community and just what I do uh, within youth and family. That's when I know that I'm in my place and my purpose when I can operate with youth and family and community. But that takes a lot out of me. So I need my recharge time. And so I named it the semi-social life of a black introvert because, you know, black people are sometimes stereotyped as being the loud, boisterous life of the party types. I'm not that. I'm not the life of the party but I will bring life to a party. That's why I like to, I'll bring mm. some life to it. Right. And um, and so my perspective on life is different. My perspective on, on a lot of things are, are different because it's coming from a black introvert. That's just trying to make his way through life. Mm, 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 mm. So tell me about this, this new position that you have and what you're able to bring your talent and skills as a librarian how are you able to kind of intertwine those skills into what you're doing currently? Yeah. So, you know, much of my library experience, especially as being, um, you know, uh, involved with the youth um, as a learning center specialist, I'm translating those skills um, into the university setting, dealing with kids who are a bit older, uh, uh, students who are a bit older, but face the same challenges. You know, I had the, I had the privilege of working with, as I mentioned, incredible kids from over mm-hmm. 25 different nations. They are so smart and so intelligent, but the one thing that they lacked at times was belief. Mm. You know, they could have a 4.0 GPA, but because they live in a certain world or environment, they may, they may have a 1.0 self-esteem. Mm. And so my job is to help invest in them, is to pour into them, is to mm-hmm. encourage them, is to love them, is to direct them and, and, and to guide them to build that self-esteem up. There's very little that I could really teach them academic academically. I mean, calculus is not my thing. Chemistry is not my thing. Mm-hmm. But let me teach you about life. Yeah. And so I've really brought that to a university setting, uh, making um, the choice to see, yes, they're students, but but these are their people. Mm-hmm. And I work predominantly with black men 
mm-hmm. uh, which is another interesting sort of uh, group of people to work with um, yeah. at a university setting and at a predominantly white university setting. And so my job is just to create programs and curriculum um, mm-hmm. that appeal to their academic needs, sure, but also their mental health needs, their mm-hmm. social needs, um, and just develop them into, you know, holistic human beings. You know, and, and I love the fact that you, you're a librarian, but you're using your skill set in a different way. Can you talk to the types of positions that are out there for, because I know there are a lot of people, myself included, um, who used to be a librarian, but have this this specialized skill set that can be used in other different fields. Um, when you were I, when you were looking for um, another position or looking for, uh, you know, transitioning into something else, how did you see your skills being utilized in this, in, in these other, uh, in these other fields? Uh, yeah. You, you know, yeah. I, I made a choice and, and, and it took, it took being like 34 mm-hmm. to really understand that I am way more purposeful than when I am positional. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I can create my purpose. My purpose really is to help and encourage people and to invest in people. Yeah. I would do that whether I'm at my job position or I'm at the grocery store or I'm at home, whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, and so when I at the beginning, in the middle of the day, that's just who I am. Mm-hmm. And so I realized in working at the library and working in the academic center, mm-hmm. I realized my my one of my gifts is to bridge people mm-hmm. and to create community. Mm-hmm. And and that's something that I uniquely have. Yeah. Um. And so um. Once I realized that gift, like, oh, not everybody has this, and oh, this is this is pretty unique to me, the yeah. black introvert. I can bring that anywhere. So whether it's a library setting, a university setting, community setting, I'm going to bridge people together. And yeah. so um, I, I'm grateful for my uh, library experience with that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, so so what I'm hearing is that you're saying is that you just found your purpose and the skill set that you have. You're just using those skills to, you know, advance your purpose. I found the purpose and I found belief in my purpose. Mm. I found I found, you know, I would like to think that I taught the kids a lot and I'm sure I did. Yeah. But but truth be told, they taught me so much about myself. Yeah. Um, they when I didn't have confidence in the power as to who I was and what I brought to the table, I remember I remember very clearly kids in the library coming up to me and just thanking me for what I do. Yeah. And I will brush it off like, oh, you know, no problem. And in and, and one time, a girl who's probably about eight years old, she told me, She's like, you know, you're really helping me. I was like, Thank you. She's like, No, no, you don't understand. Yeah. And she and she and her eight year old, nine year old self got me told and got me together. Yeah. And and I had to learn how to take compliments. I had to learn how to take their encouragement. The same encouragement I was giving out. Yeah. I had to learn how to take it. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, you know, that so many wonderful things happened within that space. Um, I could write a book about it. Maybe one day I will. Um, but, you know, that that whole experience is creating community, understanding my purpose, understanding my gifts and my talents. Um, I, I could translate that anywhere. Man, man, that is awesome. Can you tell the listeners about some of the projects that you're doing right now or some of the ones that you might have coming down the pipe? 
Absolutely. Uh, so, you know, taking some of this experience from the library and just my life experience, um, I started a, a curriculum and a training guide for uh, people who are working in libraries, specifically with youth and more specifically with youth of color. Um, mm-hmm. And so um, I have a training manual on how to create community within a library setting. Um, I would love to travel and talk, you know, to libraries across the nation and provide tools as to this is how you make that community feel, especially libraries that may not have uh, or that may be experiencing trouble with youth and teens. Mm -hmm. I would love to come out and support um, and and train and provide tools. Um, But, you know, and and so that's what I do uh, as far as my uh, personal and professional business. Um, But also, you know, just in a university setting, this pandemic has really taken a lot of youth of color and Mm -hmm. students of color. And so I am creating mental health uh, programs uh, for our college students uh, who who need to experience life outside the classroom, who need to sometimes cry some tears, who need a hug, who need a high five or who need a a, a space to talk and communicate and to build those sort of social bonds. And so um, I'm creating a whole lot of mental health programming um, for the students at the university in which I work. Man, that is awesome stuff, man. Where can listeners follow you and find you on social media? Yes, um, they can follow me on Instagram at Black Introvert Podcast. Um, that is Black Introvert Podcast. My podcast, The Semi-Social Life of a Black Introvert, is on every major streaming service. Um, so Spotify, Apple, Google, I'm there. You will see my voice or hear my voice and see my face, but also follow me on my website, too, um, which is I am Mufali, which is I-A-M-M-U-F-A-L-I.com. I am Mufali.com. And that is where I have my training services, some of my blogs, um, just, you know, random thoughts on life. And so um, definitely, you know, show up there, hit me up with an email and I would definitely respond back. Sir, this has been a great pleasure to interview you and talk to you about your your library skills, your 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 purpose that you found. And I'm so glad that we had the honor to interview you. Aaron Whitfield, thank you so much for being on the Black Male Archives podcast, where we capture, curate and promote positive stories about black men, which you are one of. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. Awesome.